So we are going to look at Luke uh, today, Luke chapter 11, and we're going to talk about prayer. It's fitting for us. It's kind of been our rhythm around this time of year to have a fast and a focus on prayer, because without prayer, we will not see any gospel advancement, any kingdom advancement. And it's arrogance for us to think that we can move things forward without being people of prayer. To think that we're smart enough, gifted enough, wealthy enough, cool enough, attractive enough to make things work for us in this life and advance God's agenda and his purposes in this world without being a people of prayer. If I were to ask you uh, if you're a person of prayer or if I were to ask your spouse, would you consider yourself to be characterized by that a pr- as a prayerful person? If I were to have a script of a transcript of all your prayers over the last week, how long would that look? How deep or how shallow would that look? How many biblical, meaningful, heartfelt prayers would I behold on that transcript of your prayer life? And see, the reality is, is that prayer is a struggle for many of us. D.A. Carson says that prayerlessness is often a warning light indicating our ignorance of God. And so there is, there's a problem that we have of prayerlessness. We have a tendency not to be prayerful, not to bring things to God in prayer. We have a tendency to lean on our own understanding. We have a tendency to express frustration in our circumstances towards other people and even the God, but not even ask him what we're frustrated about or talk to him what we're frustrated about. My wife and I, uh, one of the, the phrases we use, we have four children, and one of the phrases we use as we're training our children to communicate better is, use your words. Our four-year-old, she gets mad and she goes, ah! and then she'll start mumbling stuff, grumbling, mumbling, complaining, and we'll say, use your words. And she's expressing something that frustrates her, but she's not using her words. It's not making anything better at all. She's just getting frustration and anger out. And I think as children of God, we tend to do the same thing. We tend to groan and moan and murmur and complain. And God calls us. He invites us to develop our communication with him. Perhaps the Lord or the Holy Spirit is saying today, use your words. Use your words. Communicate to me. And it's not because... God doesn't know what we need. Jesus said in Matthew 6, the Father knows what we need even before we ask him. It's not that God needs to be informed about, oh, you need this now. He wants us to use our words. We are his children, and as we grow and as we mature, we should learn to develop communication with God. It is for our good and for our joy that we learn to have conversations, many Meaningful conversations with God. Because when he does answer, when we're doing that and he does answer our prayers, we, we can be more trusted with the answers to those prayers without our hearts making those blessings idols. When we've learned to commune with him, 
and fellowship with him. So we have a, we have a problem of prayerlessness. Uh, I went on a ministry trip years ago, uh, to Dominican Republic. I went a couple times. We got, we got one, one Dominican and a half here, uh, right now, or yeah, and a Puerto Rican. Uh. So I went to Dominican Republic and, and it was a ministry trip, but on, you know, on ministry trips, you get, like a lot of times or, or uh, outreach, you get a, a day of rest or a day of play, right? And so uh, we went to the beach and we went snorkeling. And uh, it was beautiful beach, clear waters. Is it Putacana? I think it was Putacana, yeah. So we're down there snorkeling at Putacana. And I was just, it was, I think it was the first time I went snorkeling. And I was beholding beautiful fish, many different kinds of fish that I hadn't seen before. And I was exploring, I was going further out and further out and trying not to go too far. Um, but I was limited. I was limited t- to how much and how long I could behold the beauty of these sea creatures that God created because I had to keep going back up for prayer. I'm going back up for air. I had to keep going back up for air. I couldn't hold my breath that long. So I was limited to behold the beauty for long periods of time because I had to keep going back up for air. And I wonder how many of us have a prayer life that is like snorkeling. We like we want we love what we see when we're praying and we love to connect with God but but we're just kind of we have to go pop back up. We got we got to go get breakfast. Oh, got a text message. Oh, got an email. Oh, I got to do this, got to do that. And God wants us, and I believe through this prayer that Jesus gave us, he wants to give us scuba diving equipment so that we can go deep in prayer and stay there. And don't just pop back up and pop back up, but stay there in prayer. I believe that the Lord's prayer or the disciples' prayer that Jesus gave us here is like that scuba diving equipment for us to go deep in prayer. So if you feel the weakness of your prayer life right now and you want a solution and you want help and you want to grow in that area of prayer, you, you agree with Paul in, in Romans 8.26 where he says, for we know not how to pray as we ought to. And you feel that. I don't know how to pray as I ought to and I don't pray as I ought to. And you feel that. The, the Lord's prayer here, the, what Jesus gives us here is the equipment to go deep with him. Amen. So, Father, as we open up the scriptures, as we look at the life of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus, I pray that you would ignite a holy fire in us to pursue you in prayer, to ask and keep asking, to seek and keep seeking, to knock and keep knocking. I pray that you would give us a revival in our prayer lives. And that we would be characterized by prayer. That we would be like Joshua who just lingered in the tent of meeting. He just stayed there. That we wouldn't be so quick to rush out of the prayer closet. That we would just linger there. And enjoy you. Behold your beauty. Inquire in your presence. Jesus name. Amen. So Luke 11, verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, 
Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we are, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Uh, now before you, uh, get, get kind of all worked up here about this record or account of the, the prayer of Jesus, uh, Matthew has a little bit more. Luke, Luke has an abbreviated version of this, and perhaps this was a different time Jesus brought this up. In Matthew 6, it, Jesus was preaching a sermon on the mount, on the plain. And here, a disciple, Jesus was praying, and a disciple asked him, hey, how do I, I want to learn how to pray. Right? And so here, let me, let me, and let me say this. Here's, here's our big idea. God calls us to be a people of prayer who pray with persistence using the, using the prayer model that Jesus gave us. God calls us to be a people of prayer with persistence using the prayer model that Jesus gave us. So the first thing I want to point out in this text is the priority of prayer. This was uh, about the fifth time that Luke mentions Jesus praying. Jesus was a man of prayer. He communed with the Father. He rose early in the morning and spent time with his Father. He talked to him. He talked to him, I'm sure, about his day and about his kingdom advancing and about his purposes and plans and what he wanted to do. But Jesus was communing with the Father in a certain place. Okay, and the disciples saw this. The disciples saw at times when the crowds were growing and things were exciting where Jesus didn't let that uh, capture his heart. He he went and withdrew and prayed. He was more concerned about the glory of the Father than the praises of people, right? And so Jesus was spending much time in prayer. The disciples saw that, this one disciple, and he said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So the disciple feels that here's, here's his teacher, Jesus, his rabbi, his Lord, and he's a prayerful person. Where does he get all this power? Where does he get all this wisdom? How is he always in the zone? How can I get there? And so he says, teach me to pray. Teach us to pray. We would do well, if we want to grow in prayer, we would do well to pray about our praying. Those who have grown and developed as prayerful people, as intercessors, as those who give themselves to prayer, have probably spent some time praying about their praying. God, teach me to pray. I don't know how to pray. I'm so weak at prayer. I'm so, I'm so easily distracted, God. Teach me to pray. Give me an earnestness in prayer. And so we would do well. The disciples asked for that and we would do well. And Jesus responds. Jesus displayed the priority of prayer. Luke, by the way, this is one of Luke's major themes. In, in the Gospel of Luke, throughout the Gospel of Luke, and in the book of Acts, Dr. Luke is emphasizing prayer as an important element for kingdom advancement. Okay, And all throughout the Bible, we see when God moved powerfully, people were praying. People were seeking his face, and God showed up. And the Bible calls us to pray without ceasing, to be devoted to prayer. Book of Acts, they devoted themselves to prayer. They, they gave themselves over to it. 
And if we're going to see God do great things in our lives, if we're going to grow and we're going to advance, we must be a people of prayer as well. So we also see in Jesus' response, we see the pattern of prayer. Those of us who have grown up Catholic, we're familiar with the Lord's Prayer. And every Sunday, we would rotely say that, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Right? That's how we do it, right? As, as, as Catholic folks, we would say that prayer. But let me just say this. Jesus didn't give us this prayer just so this can be the essence of our prayer life and the, the mere substance of our prayer life. This is the skeleton. This is the model. This is the outline. This is the pattern. Okay? We don't just like take a Hallmark card and go to God, uh, Heavenly Father, I uh, pray that today you would do. We, we talk to God from our hearts as children do to their Father. Okay? We, we approach God with our needs. We approach God with our concerns. But Jesus gives us a pattern here. He, he lays out for us what is to be priority. Because our minds tend to wander in prayer. We tend to go all over, right? And so it's helpful to have some kind of structure to keep us grounded, okay? When I pray, I often think of this. I think of the Lord's Prayer. Like, how am I praying in accordance to the Lord's Prayer? Not am I saying the words exactly the same as the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer, but is my is the essence of my prayer uh, in line with how Jesus taught us to pray? And it's not that there's a law that you can't pray outside of this, that you can't just have those short prayers and say, help God, deliver me, God, I need you, God, forgive me, God, give me wisdom, God. Those breath prayers are great. But when you're spending time, you're taking the scuba diving equipment that God's given us of the, the disciples' prayer, and you're going deep. You think through how Jesus taught us to pray. And the first thing Jesus taught us to do is he taught us to approach God as Father. Approach God as Father. Jesus picks up this, he re, uh, revisits this theme in verse uh, 11 of chapter 11, he says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? That would be a cruel joke to play on your child. I mean, even wicked fathers don't do that, right? Uh, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, I hope this ignites your prayer life because I believe this is foundational. That when we come to God in prayer, we shouldn't come like we're approaching a judge. We should come like we're approaching a loving father. He's not pointing the finger at us to condemn us. He welcomes us. He invites us. I see this with my children often, and I'm in the zone working, trying to focus on a sermon or do an email or get some work done. 
and they they just come bursting into the room and they they'll come sit on my lap and they'll come ask for this or that i'm not always the most gracious father i can i can identify where jesus says if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children i fall short of being a good good father like our heavenly father is Okay, but even those of us fathers who are flawed and broken, and there are no good, perfect, earthly fathers. There's one. Okay, even the best of fathers will let us down, will get frustrated, irritated, uh, impatient, unkind, make foolish decisions, say things that hurt. And many of us have deep wounds from our father. And perhaps that's one of the reasons why we struggle in prayer. Because we project the image of our earthly father or lack of upon the image of our heavenly father who is good, who's perfect, who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And so when we get a glimpse of who God is, it ignites us and emboldens us to approach God with our requests, with our needs, and to come before him as a good father who is willing and eager to give good gifts to his children. He wants to give good gifts to his children. He delights in you, children of God. He doesn't just put up with you. Now, he is patient. And he forbears, he is gracious, but he enjoys us. He take, the Lord takes delight in his people. I, I mean, it's, I look at my, my baby boy Justice back there who just has this smile on his face and I feel delight towards him. And he doesn't, he doesn't bring much to the family right now other than dirty diapers and cries and some really cute laughs. I mean, I guess that is, that is, that's significance. He does bring some joy to the family. But he's not doing chores and cleaning dishes and cleaning the room. He actually makes things more difficult at times, right? He makes it more pleasant at times, but also more difficult at times. And yet he is a welcome member in our family. You know what? He knows how to communicate. He doesn't have English words yet to communicate with. I haven't heard him say daddy or mommy yet. But I've heard that boy cry and he knows how to ex- use his cry to get mom or dad's attention. Can somebody change my diaper? Can somebody give me some milk? You guys are eating over here. I'm hungry. Right? He, he doesn't use English words, but he cries to communicate that. He sees us. And, and as, as a child of God, you know, we need to develop our communication. We need to learn the language of prayer as well. When we first become a child of God, our prayers may just sound like, like disgruntled cries. God, this, this is hard. I need help. You know, it may just be like a baby cry. But as we grow, we need to use our words and articulate our needs and desires, concerns and fears, anxieties to our heavenly father, not because he needs to be informed, but because he wants us to use our words. To commune with him, to talk to him. He, he wants the relationship and we will be changed as we do. Any relationship needs communication. Any healthy relationship, if it's going to survive, it needs communication. Marriages struggle because of lack of and bad communication, right? 
friendships, co coworker relationships, uh, uh, friendships. They all sibling relationships. They struggle for lack of or bad communication, and God wants us to learn how to communicate. Jesus gives us a prayer to start with, and He also, the Holy Spirit also. I didn't quote the rest of this. He also helps us in our weaknesses and he makes groanings for us too deep for words. And he makes intercession for us. So the spirit intercedes for us. Jesus also intercedes for us. So when we fail to pray as we ought to, the Holy Spirit got your back. Jesus got your back. Jesus told Peter, Peter, Satan's asked to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail when you return strengthen the brethren isn't it beautiful that we have a great intercessor standing in the gap for us a mediator standing in the gap for us between us and the heavenly father and as we behold our savior and lord is that great intercessor and the holy spirit is that may that rub off on us more and more to be that for others as well so going back to the first part of the prayer, a good, good father. So we approach God as a good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. Now, Luke, Luke uh, specifies what the good gift is here. And he says the Holy Spirit. Now, Luke is going to emphasize that in his gospel. And he's going to emphasize that in Luke chapter in Luke volume two, a.k.a. book of Acts. Luke is going to emphasize the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit being given. And if we want that gift, then we should ask for it. When was the last time you asked God, the Father, to fill you with his spirit? When was the last time you said, God, fill me with your spirit? I need you to fill me with your spirit. Do you know you're commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit? So it's kind of like... Something we can't do, we can't make happen, but it's something we can ask for and position ourselves to happen. God, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. So anyways, I'm taking a little rabbit trail here. Um, so we come to God as a good, good father. He loves to give good gifts to, to his children. Let that fuel your prayer life, that God's heart is for you, that he doesn't see you as a nuisance. Now at times I get, I get bothered and irritated with my kids nagging me and coming to me. And my, our little four year old, she is one persistent little girl. She knows how to keep on asking and she will raise her voice. She's learning the power of persistent, uh, petition with mom and dad right now, okay? God is one father who doesn't get irritated with his children continually coming to him with their prayers, okay? The other part of the prayer that Luke mentions is your kingdom come. Now, um, well, actually, let me let me just, I, I missed this, this first part. Father, hallowed be your name. I didn't get that up there. Father, hallowed be your name. Jesus teaches us to pray God-centered prayers. Now, we're wired, we're wired to pray man-centered prayers, me-centered prayers. We're wired to just bring our laundry list of things we want in this life to God and say, God, will you give me this? Will you give me this? Mom, dad, I want that. I want this. 
It was, we just had Christmas. You got plenty of stuff right. You don't need that stuff right now. You got way too much stuff right now. Okay? I want this. I want that. Jesus teaches us to pray God-centered prayers. Prayers that focus on the honoring of God's name. Hallowed be your name. Jesus wants us to hallow and honor his name. And even in the praying, even in the concern that we may have for that, that is one way that we can hallow his name and honor his name and, and, and reverence his name. The phrase, hallowed be thy name, is, is really, it's a petition for God's name to be honored. Hallowed be thy name. And then he says, your kingdom come. Jesus teaches us to pray for God's kingdom agenda to advance in the world. Does the hallowing of God's name, the glory of his name, and the advancement of the kingdom characterize your prayer life? Because I think in the order that Jesus is teaching us to pray, it should. We should spend much time talking to the Father about this. About his name being glorified and honored in our lives and amongst the nations. This implies worship as well. That's what we do when we express worship and praise to God. We glorify his name. And the kingdom of God. Now hasn't the kingdom of God already come? Didn't Jesus say when he started preaching, didn't he say, uh oh, just lost the signal there. Uh, didn't he say your kingdom come or didn't he say, um, uh, the kingdom of God is at hand. Didn't Jesus say the kingdom's here? The king is here right now. Didn't Jesus bring the kingdom like he displayed it on earth? Why would he teach us to pray your kingdom come like it needs to come more? Well, the kingdom has come and we've talked about this. It's the already not yet. The kingdom of God has, it's here, it has come, but there is more of its fullness to come. And when the kingdom of God comes, that means more of God's reign would be in the hearts and the lives of people. And so when we're praying for God's kingdom to come, we're praying for more people to submit to King Jesus. Is Jesus reigning as king right now? Yes, he is. Does people's lack of submission to him as king take away from his reign and sovereignty? Of course it doesn't. He reigns. He rules. He is king whether people are rebelling or not. And it is for their good, our good, that we submit to his kingship, to his lordship in our lives. This implies lordship to God, submission to God and his reign in our hearts and in our lives. And it's very closely connected with God's will. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven in Matthew 6. And so this is also praying that God would reign in us more. Is Jesus our king? Yeah. Well, are there areas in our hearts and lives that we haven't fully surrendered to him yet? If our heart is like a home and Jesus is knocking and say, hey, I want in. I want to commune with you guys. Oh, what's in this room over here? Can we go over here? Oh, not that one right now. You can go over here. This one's cleaned up. But you can't go in this one right now, Jesus. When we're praying God's kingdom to come, we're saying, come reign. Reign, reign in me. Reign in the world. Reign in hearts and lives. And in the book of Acts, we see the manifestation of that. We see what it looks like. We see these ripple effects 
from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the utter ends of the world, the kingdom of God comes. And it's the Spirit bringing it through the proclamation of the gospel, through the prayer of God's people. May God's kingdom come. Are you passionate about that? Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. Well, let's look at that. Jesus also teaches us to pray for other things. Our food, our clothes, our necessities. Just give us this day, give us each day our daily bread. That, that emphasizes just our necessities. Okay? Now, our prayers should be God-centered. They should be, they should, there should be a primary focus on God's name, His glory, His kingdom, His will. But you know what? It's fitting and right for us to Talk to God about our needs. We have needs. The rent bill needs to be paid. The light bill needs to be paid. The school bill needs to be paid. Right? Uh, brother, brother Kevin needs, needs a job by, by next, you know, month, right? So Lord, provide that for him. Give the Diaz family their daily bread. Notice that this, this prayer is plural, by the way. It's not in the singular. It's not, Give me, I, me, my. In our Western culture, we're trained to think that way individualistically. But Jesus taught this plurality in prayer, emphasizing that we are a part of a community, a part of a family, and that we're not just praying for ourselves. We're praying for our community. Give us our daily bread, God. Because when, when, when one family member is struggling, then the, the family's struggling. When one part of the body's hurting, the body's hurting, right? And so we should have this mentality when it comes to prayer. Paul taught in Ephesians 6 to pray for all the saints with prayers and supplications. And so our prayers shouldn't just be, um, they shouldn't be self-centered. They should be God-centered. And they should be other-centered as well. Okay? Give us each day our daily bread. And then notice this, forgive us our sins this is another part of the petition. Now, you may, you might say, well, I thought we are forgiven already. Paul said in Ephesians 1, what, 7, we have forgiveness and redemption through the blood. Is that true? Church, is that a gospel truth that you are forgiven? You can sing this song. I am forgiven at the foot of the cross, right? Is that true? Okay. Then why would, why would Jesus teach his followers to let that be a part of their prayer life, a continual part of their prayer life. Forgive us our sins. Have you, have you ceased to be a sinner, saints? I don't think anybody would dare to say that here. Uh, even Paul described himself as the chief of sinners in, in Romans 7. He described his own struggle, right? And so we continue to sin. Now this doesn't mean, uh, overarching forgiveness doesn't account to us. We have been forgiven. God has forgiven our sins, but there are sins that hinder our communion with God. We've been united with God. We've been justified once and for all. Our debt has been paid. But that doesn't mean that you could just go acting like a jerk and then just have sweet old communion with Jesus, treating everybody else like a jerk. And you're like, oh, Lord, how you doing today, right? It's not going to work like that. There are some hindrances to prayer, and one of them is unconfessed sin. Like pride. Okay, that's a hindrance to prayer. 
selfishness. You're just thinking about you. That's a hindrance to prayer. Marital conflict. You're not in agreement with your spouse. That's a hindrance to prayer. First, first Peter three, seven and eight, right? And so there's things that hinder our communion with God and God will pull back and, and convict us with the Holy Spirit and wait for us to repent before he unleashes more blessings in our lives often. Oftentimes he'll, he'll discipline us. No, you're not going to get dessert tonight, honey. You didn't even eat your food, right? We had to do that last night. I love you, but you're not going to eat dessert. You did not eat your dinner. You can't just have whatever you want, okay? So anyways, we need to confess our sins. We need to be responsible and acknowledge we've sinned against the holy God. First John 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. This is the, the Christian's bar soap. And we apply this in, in prayer. Let this be a part of your prayer, prayer life. If, if, if this is not a part of your prayer life, you are not very self-aware of your own heart. You're lacking in self-assessment and self-awareness if you don't ask for forgiveness and cleansing. Because we often have little attitudes and failures when it comes, we're, we're sinners, right? Um, and then there's also this idea of being for, forgiving other people. Forgive us as we forgive others. Uh, and then lead us not into temptation. This, this is praying that God would give us victory and, and to withstand temptation. That God would lead us in what's best and what's right. That we would withstand. When you're, when you feel your heart being drawn, men, to pornography or to look lustfully after a woman, this is a prayer to pray. God, lead me not into temptation. First, first Corinthians ten thirteen is a great verse to memorize. No temptation has overtaken you except which is common to man. But God is faithful who with each temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You can endure it, guys. You don't have to give into it. But you got to watch and pray. Jesus told his disciples this. We can all identify with his disciples. When, when Jesus is in the garden... And he, and he says, watch and pray, lest you enter temptation. And what do they do? They fall asleep. He said, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And they fell asleep. He said, you could, could you not even watch and pray for one hour, guys? Like, these are his top three guys. Peter, James, and John, all right? Couldn't you guys just watch and pray with me for, for, for one hour? I'm, I, my homeboys fail me, right? And so prayer helps us withstand temptation. The next thing is persistence. Jesus teaches us persistence in prayer. So we see the Lord's prayer. We see the, the pattern that he gives us for prayer. We see this priority of prayer in the life of Jesus. The, the, the disciple recognizes that he needs it to be a priority and he needs to know how to do it as well. But then Jesus also teaches us the, the persistence that is necessary in prayer. He said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend that of mine that has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him, and he will answer from within, do not bother me, for the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not give, not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs." 
I tell you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. We need to persist in prayer. That word impudence um, just means to be um, persistent, shameless, and bold about bringing the request. All right. It's an interesting parable that Jesus uses this, this friend who comes at midnight. Hospitality was a really big thing in the, in the ancient world. And so if so, somebody showed up and you didn't have food and you didn't have proper, uh, uh, accommodations for them, it would be disgraceful. And so they, this guy has a friend that's going to show up. And so he goes to his other friend and says, Hey man, I need some food, bro. I need some food. I got a friend coming in. And, and, and this guy, he's trying to wake up, uh, is like, man, my, my family's asleep right now. They probably, you know, they had, they didn't have like five bedroom houses like we got, you know, typically there, you know, a lot of, a lot of times there's one bedroom and the, the kids are sleeping right there with, with mom and dad, right? And so if, if you get up, the kids gotta get up. You get up and get some food out of the pantry, they all wake up. I'm not gonna wake everybody up for this bread right now. Go to sleep, man, right? But he keeps on knocking, he keeps on, Hey man, really, I, I I need some bread for this guy and don't want to let him down, right? And so he gets up and he gives him bread, not because he's his friend, not because of the relationship, but because the guy just doesn't give up. He just keep on knocking. I, and again, my little four-year-old Abigail is learning the the, the importance of this and, and she's learning how to use this. Knocking, Dad, please, 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 got my vitamin now, Dad, Dad. When Jesus is teaching this, it's not that Jesus is teaching that God is unwilling and, and we're, we're in prayer. We're trying to overcome some reluctance in the Father to give us good gifts. He wants to give us good gifts. He's willing. He's eager to give us good gifts. So it's not like we're trying to make him and manipulate God. Give me this. Give me this. Give me this now. Right? There's some tension here or perceived tension there. Because uh, he is a good father and he wants us to approach him. But yet he doesn't just lay everything out to us on a silver platter. Because if he did, that would feed our sloth. If we didn't have the, the opportunity to develop the, the use of our words and prayer. And consistent opportunity to pray, to ask. We would take those blessings for granted. If it's just thrown out there, I mean, we, we see this often. I, it's one of the things I've learned over the years. It's important to let people contribute something towards, uh, if, if you just give everything to, to children, you, what, spoil the child, right? And so we don't want to spoil, God doesn't want spoiled children, ungrateful children who take for granted the blessing. So he invite, and in the asking, in the ask, seek, knock, we're getting closer to God. We're getting actually what we need more than the petition we're asking for. We're getting communion with him. We're learning his heart. Okay? And we're developing character, responsibility, so that when he does grant the request of our petition, we can responsibly handle the blessings that he gives to us. Amen? And so when Jesus says, this is the promise of prayer, this should fuel our prayers. Ask, and it'll be given to you. And when he says this, I think the modern translations bring out the, the implications in the Greek. Ask and keep asking. This is not just a one-time 
ask. This is ask and keep asking. Okay? Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Don't give up. Jesus in Luke 18.1, he gave, he told, he gave a parable uh, to the effect that men should always, that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. Brother Lawrence, in his little book, The Practice of the Presence of God, he says, Do not be discouraged by the resistance that you will encounter from your human nature. You must go against your human inclinations. Often in the beginning, you will think that you are wasting your time, but you must go on, be determined, and persevere in it till death despite all the difficulties. D.A. Carson says this, Pray until you pray, as the Puritans often said. That is, we should seek to pray long enough and authentically enough that we move past the formalism and the unreality and begin to delight in God's presence and esteem his will. Pray until you pray. Have you ever considered that some of your praying isn't praying at all? That you're just reciting some words and you're not even thinking about who you're talking to or what you're saying. Have you ever caught yourself uh, like, like, what am I saying? What did I just, did I just say, uh, uh, Father, Father Jesus or did, what, you know, just thinking about some of the funny things we, we say in prayer when we're not thinking about it. Let me give you some reasons here. Here's some reasons to pray and not give up. It's God's will that you pray and keep on praying. It's God's will that you be a prayerful people. Jesus prayed often and persistently. And of course, we want to be like him. The early church prayed persistently. God has ordained that his kingdom expand through prayer. Have you ever considered that? That we, you and I get a part in advancing the kingdom on the earth through being people of prayer, through asking. God wants us to be a part of what he's doing in the world. We're the salt of the earth, the light of the world. God is a loving father who gives good gifts to his children. Jesus says this to, to motivate prayer. God loves justice and executes justice in response to prayer. So where, where you see injustice in the world and be moved to pray, God would bring justice. We are God's elect in whom God loves and treasures, his children. And he loves to answer our prayers. We would have, we wouldn't have or experience certain things if we didn't pray. James 4 3 says, You have not because you ask not. Have you ever considered things you have experienced or received just because you haven't taken the time to ask them? You know, prayer starts with an invitation. Seeking God, like I said last week, starts with a holy invitation, a divine invitation. To seek him, to pray to him. And a great place to start is Lord teach us to pray. And so this is powerful. We there you have not because you ask not. God's ordained that through your asking he bring about his will. He bring about good things. Through it we experience God's peace. Don't be anxious about everything, but Pray about everything. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Through it, we experience God's power and boldness. The book of Acts, Acts 4.31, they prayed when they were threatened by the leaders. And, and they were filled with the Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. They prayed for boldness. And God made them bold people. If you need courage and boldness to do what God's called you to do, then pray. That will embolden you. God will embolden you. Through it, we experience God's provision. God provides through us asking, okay? Don't be ashamed to ask. 
Humble yourself and know that he's good. Through it, we experience God's protection. He delivers us when we pray. We're to pray. Lord, lead us not in temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Through it, we gain perspective. He shows us great and mighty things we do not know. Through it, we experience joy. John 16, 24. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy might be full. God wants you to get the joy through your asking. He wants you to get the joy through your asking and him answering. And he wants him to get the glory through our asking. Asking in his answering. Through it we experience the love of God. Paul prayed this. This was a prayer. He knew that the church needed help. To grasp the love of God. And so he prayed. By the spirit that they would get it in Ephesus. Through it we experience healing. Confess your sins once another. Pray for one another. That you might be healed. Through it we experience forgiveness. We confess our sins. Through it, God gets glory in answering. Through it, we experience our heart's desire. Through it, we, we, we can withstand temptation. And through it, we can experience communion with God. Prayer is communion with God. It's a conversation with God. You're just talking to God. And so lastly, in, in closing, in application, I, I want to encourage you to designate a time and a place to pray daily. When is your prayer time? Where's, where's your prayer place? Where's your secret place that you meet with God? You have appointments with God. As I said last week, if you fail to make and keep appointments with God, you will experience disappointments in this life. Be thoughtful about what you're praying and to whom you're praying. Think about what you're saying. Think about how does this connect with the Lord's prayer? How does this, how does this connect with God's will? I mean, one of the best ways to pray God's will is to use scripture where it clearly expresses what God wants. This is the will of God for you, that you rejoice always, give thanks in all things, pray without ceasing. This is the will of God for you, your sanctification, right? So on. And and the Bible clearly expresses what God wants when he gives commands to us. Persevere in prayer knowing that God hears and answers the prayers of his children. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Amen. Um, years ago, I uh, I was working at a, a warehouse job. And um, one of my jobs was to uncrate. I was working for Weir's Furniture in the warehouse. And one of my jobs was to uncrate boxes and polish furniture and get it ready to be loaded into the truck. And then I would uh, also drive trucks, load trucks. I was a transfer driver, load trucks, unload trucks. Um, but when I would use my box knife to cut lots, lots of boxes, my, my, uh, my box knife got dull. Okay? And if I didn't take time to sharpen it, I would have to use more strength and it would be more dangerous and, and, and I'd be more likely to cut something or cut myself with this dull razor blade. But if I would just pull back for a moment to sharpen that blade, it would slice right through them boxes much faster and get more work done with less effort. And prayers like that, it's like sharpening the blade. Pulling back to sharpen the blade. Are you spiritually dull right now? Then it's time to pray and sharpen the blade. So that you can slice right through your days. Doing the will of God. In the zone. In the spirit. 
ready for what God has for you, ready for the gospel conversations that he has your way, ready for any bad news that may come your way, ready for uh, a ministry opportunity with a friend or a family member. Father, these words are true. And I pray that we would internalize them, that we would take the scuba diving equipment of this beautiful prayer and take the motivation from these exhortations that Jesus gave about you being a good father, giving good gifts, and and, and when we seek, we'll find that we would be motivated and moved to be prayerful people. And I pray that in 2019, we would see you do great things in our church, in our families, that we would see our children come to faith, that we would see the community come to faith, that we would see people healed and delivered and set free from addictions, We pray that you would provide the space that we've been asking you for. That you would um, uh, just open up the doors. We pray that you would meet needs in our body. That you would provide jobs. We pray that you would uh, deliver us from sickness. We got sick folks right now just battling flu and bronchitis and all kinds of stuff. And we pray that you heal your people Heal us. And we pray that healing would flow through us. Pray that our faith would be strengthened. And our joy would abound as you answer our request and show yourself faithful.